Books, books, books. Books, books, books. Books, books, books. You've been reading? Yes. I feel like we're both breathing into the mic. Mine's too high to my face. I think yours is high on your face. Or you might be all right. I'm high. It was high. I think that was me. Anyway, so you've been reading? Yes. Yes. What? I finished Later by uh, Stephen King. Uh, it's like his newest. Uh, I mean, I guess it's a novel. It's uh, it's like 248 pages, which is, you know, kind of short considering for him. But it's like those hard case books, like mm-hmm. um, those series of those. Like he had uh, Colorado Kid and uh, Joyland also put out from them. But it was really good. I finished it in less than a week. I started it on a Monday and had it done midday on a Sunday. It's like the Yukio Mishima book I read. It's nice when you get one of those between like longer books. It's just like a nice. Well, this, it's almost like a break. Oh, and then too, uh, like I don't know the other novels that that uh, publisher puts out, but I just know the Stephen King ones that I've read. They've had a very kind of pulpy. It kind looked, of, the cover's like a pulp cover. Kind kind of feel to it, like. Even though that the story's you know present day, and it's about this kid who sees dead people, but not like but not like in that movie. That's a, that's even like a line in the book. Oh, He's like, I, yeah. I I I uh, I see dead people, but like not like in the movie. He could like actually like talk to him and stuff like mm-hmm. that. The pacing and the kind of like shorter chapters, but they still kind of ran in to get like you know it was just it was very it made it flow very quickly. Interesting. I like that. I uh. I went the opposite direction of you. Yeah. Instead of reading something that's going to be fast and quick, I I went back and went to an Irish novel, which I don't believe I should have checked before we started um, that when we did that Irish episode some time back when we read the, you know, got to read these so yeah. these Irish authors and their works. Well, uh, I don't believe this guy was on the list, but he's considered the greatest Irish author of all time. Oh. But, you know, you got, like, James Joyce, Oscar Wilde. You got all these guys. So it's like, that's a pretty big thing. But it's because he he only wrote in Irish. That was uh, the difference. Like, I got the Hobbit Irish edition, not related to this. But you saw just, like, the language. Yeah. Like, it's how the fuck do you pronounce any of this? Like, so the book was considered so good that nobody wanted to translate it into English until, I think, 2016. Now there's two versions of it. And that's what I picked up to read. It is, uh... Crane Achille by Martin O'Keean. And um, the English version is called Graveyard Clay. That is translated by Liam McCon. I don't know how to say this name. Liam McCon Emer and Tim Robinson. Um, there's another one. It's called like Dust Something or Other, and it's more raunchy. But this one had the reason why I went with this one is because it's a little more academic. They gave like a lot of notes at the bottom for. Because they try to keep it the Irish as much as the like the names are still the original names yeah. and a lot of the phrasing it's English but it's uh you know like what the the English equivalent to the Irish phrase and they explain what those things mean whereas the other one I don't it doesn't do that so I felt like this I would actually understand it more the story is fucking ridiculous there is yeah. no story I've never read a book like this there's no narrator no narration no plot and I'm like almost halfway through I think well. Going on 100 pages, maybe, something like that. It is about these people in Ireland, in a certain spot of Ireland, in the graveyard. They're buried, and all they do is just fucking bicker and fight and talk shit. Just under the ground? Under the ground, dead. And then whenever a new person comes in that gets buried, they get more gossip about what's going on in the living world. But it's the writing style. It's pretty funny. Like, a lot of it's pretty funny. 
but the writing style, it's all dialogue, but it's not like there's no dialogue tags. So you, a lot of times you don't know who's talking mm. and the way it's broken up. Cause there's a thing at the beginning, if it's a dash before the sentence that means, or like M dash, that means it's a, like a new dialogue and somebody's just started talking. If it's a dash with a ellipses beforehand, that means it's in the middle of somebody talking. And then if it's just uh, ellipses, that means um, uh, a continuation maybe of somebody talking. But it's broken up, so it's literally everybody in the graveyard just talking at once. Uh, okay. So it's just like you'll be in this one conversation, and then next sentence you're in somebody else's conversation, back to the original, back to somebody completely else. It's very confusing at first, and I was like, oh, I'm not going to like this at all. But then I started like getting into it, and I'm just like, Man, these people are really pissed off. Flip, flip. Like, there's one guy. He was a World War II pilot, I believe, or World War One, maybe. I think it's World War Two. Yeah, because it's right after the war. He was a Frenchman, and he crashed, and uh, he was a hero, but he died. So they buried him in that plot in Ireland, and he doesn't speak Irish. Oh. So he's just fucking French, and he's trying to learn off of these dead people, and they just they don't like him because he speaks French. And he's like, "What the fuck? It's so weird." But it, I mean, it was, it's considered like the greatest actual irish novel ever written i don't know if i would go that far i mean i haven't read any other irish novels like that are in irish obviously but the original language would probably be a lot funnier i would imagine if you understood it but when i was looking up the reviews for this a lot of people said that even though they can speak irish and read irish like actual irish speakers they still they had to get the english version it was just like this is like daunting to read this yeah. much because most people in Ireland, like in school, they teach it. And then they do have Irish only schools, like where they only, like everything's taught in Irish. And then like English would be, I guess, the second language. But even so, you know, it's still mainly an English speaking country now. So they don't really get it at this well. Like it'd be like if you learn Spanish in school and maybe even got fluent in Spanish. But you're not a native Spanish speaker, so once you got out of school, you just didn't keep up with it because everyone else speaks English. Like, yeah. it would be harder, even though that's your roots. Like, if, say you were, like, Mexican, but you came to the U.S., and then everyone you're around speaks English, it, you might lose some of it um, unless you had people to practice with all the time. But I just I thought it was a very interesting book to get into because I never heard of it, never heard of the author, and I started uh, reading up on him and stuff. You watch the videos on him on YouTube, they're all in Irish. Yeah. So I'm like, what the fuck? And it's, I don't know if you ever actually heard, I mean, I'm sure you have, but you probably didn't really register it. Like Gaelic is a very sing-song language and it almost sounds like they're just making up stuff. Like there's like, ding, doo, ding. like you're just, it's I, weird. I feel like I could think of it in my head, but then I also feel like that would be stereotypical. Like the, when I'm picturing inside of my, you know. Yeah, well. You know what I was thinking as you were telling me about this, I was like. Imagine, like, uh, listening to, like, an audiobook. That would be awesome, but, well, you just watch those YouTube videos. It's like, it's, you know how what it is? It's how I would imagine a non-English speaker hears English. Like, so somebody who doesn't speak English heard us talking right now. We would probably sound like that. Like, yeah. maybe not as sing-songy, but the, it's like, you hear the words, they just don't make sense to you. Well, I mean, like, we've talked about from just, like, uh, listening to different, like, um... Watching different animes with the subtitles, yeah, it's like it 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 it's just sounds like weird sounds. But after watching some of it, it's like I don't know what that word mean, what that sound mm -hmm. means. But I keep on hearing that sound. Yeah. I know that it means something. <laughs> like, well, there's a few problems with our with uh, our. Well, for one, like the Gaelic language is 
like there's Scottish Gaelic, Irish, fucking other ones. Because the Celts were all around. They were in Europe, like France and Germany, and they were all around the fucking, you know, Europe before they settled just into like Ireland and Scotland and stuff. But their language, like even if you just break it down to Irish, if you're in Dublin, like what was the original Dublin Irish compared to like whatever on the West Coast or like the dialects are also different that even if you were a fluent Irish speaker and you were a monosyllabic like or a monolingual Irish speaker, you didn't speak English or any other language. If you went across the country to another rural village, you might not understand them. Yeah. Even though they're speaking the same language because it's like so different. It's almost kind of like here in the U.S. where you have different, like, uh, accents from, from different areas. Like, if you go into, like, but, deep Appalachia, you might not understand yeah, them very well. But, like, hyped up to a different level. Yeah. Like, because as you as you were saying, like, very rural, like, you know, you very rarely around here find someplace where mm. you can't, like, you know, spit and be in somebody else's space. The translator notes in here, because they explain how they did the translation, one of the main problems and why it took so long to translate this work is because... Like, whatever Irish he was speaking, um, like, he wrote the original book in, like, there's a lot of stuff that isn't universal. So, like, Dublin would be, like, the main area of Ireland, and while you had have the Dublin Irish, not all of that would translate to whatever he was writing versus, like, like, it's just all different. Like, there's too much to translate into just, it's not just simple as, uh, like, Japanese. Okay, you got Japanese, and you might have rural Japanese and different dialects, but it's the same language. Well, like, isn't there, like, old Japanese? Something yeah. like or is that, or is that, or is that China, China? Do they have, like, their ang- like language, like, they have, like, an older version? or? I think every language probably has, like, an older version. Like, you think of, like, Russian and stuff. Like, everything has a base language. Like, if you, you can look up a tree, it branches off into... There was no one original language, but, like, there was something close. Yeah. Like, you know, like, Spanish and French and stuff all come from, like, a Latin language, and Celtic broke off of that, and it's a weird fucking language, and then Russia and, like, a, like, like Arab, different like, Arab languages or fucking, like, Turkish or something. Yeah. Like, those are harder to understand. Now, do you think maybe this is just considered one of the greatest Irish books is just because nobody's been able to read it? And so the few people <laughs> that have been like, oh, yeah, man, it was great. It was real well, those good. Are, those are the people who said it was so amazing were the, the Irish speakers that the kind of his buddies, I think, at the time. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, Irish was he was in the IRA, which I'm not going to get into that because that can offend a lot of people. But it was basically Ireland saying, hey, we want the English the fuck out of here. We want Ireland back. We want to speak Irish in our country, yeah. our mother tongue. We want to take over and be like what you know what we want, how things should have been because it's, you can't really say the old days because they were fucking invaded by Vikings, the Normans, fucking you know all that shit English. But they want they just wanted to be a united Ireland. That's that's fair enough. It's their fucking country. They want to speak their language. That makes sense. You know, colonialism isn't just like what we think of attacking you know people of color. Uh, they also attacked other fucking white races yeah. and dominated them and made them English-speaking Christians, and which is another thing uh, to deal with Ireland is like the religious stuff. Uh, they really forced that because it was a pagan uh, religion before. But that's off topic. Off topic. But Martin O'Kean, uh, O'Kean, he was like in the IRA and stuff, but he was very fervent in wanting to bring like you know his Irish roots back and have Ireland be Ireland. And that's why he specifically wrote and spoke in Irish, even though he knew like fucking eight other languages or something crazy. He ended up going to jail for a time because he was in the IRA. 
he uh i think it was like five years or something that's when he started writing his books but he even said like i the language is gonna die um you know he, he wasn't very hopeful but i thought it was very interesting that he still not only wrote the, like his books in irish and stuff but was able to actually become Granted, it was only in Ireland that he was real popular, but, you know, the greatest Irish writer, they consider yeah. him. Cause hey, they, would you take the greatest Pennsylvania writer of all time? Maybe East Coast. A little bigger. Well, I mean, that's rough, though. I mean, that's like... I just feel like Pennsylvania's not that... I mean, it's big enough, but... I mean, I would take it. Yeah. But I would take anything. I would take the best fucking, you know, from here to down the block best writer. <laughs> I guess I, I could probably say I am, probably. I don't think any of my neighbors are writing too well. Because, you know, you have, like, James Joyce, and you have a lot of people who are considered just the greatest writers of all time. James Joyce didn't write just Irish. So, it just, it's just it's an interesting talk. Maybe we'll dive into that in another episode. But just to give you a taste of, this is The Hobbit, uh, on Hobbit. I guess that's how you pronounce that. Just any random words, like a random sentence. I, I'm not even going to be able to pronounce these. And I've been studying, and I can't, like, the pronunciation does not make sense to me. I forget what the word uh, pay. I was listening. Um, I was doing a lesson earlier, and the word price came up, and it was like P R E A G E I E R. Like it was something ridiculous with all these letters, but it was still pronounced price. I was like, "What? How? You think it was like like you said the the it's like hool or something? It's B H F U I L, yeah. but it's it's like it's not pronounced that way at all. Like the, the way you it's spelled. So when you look at these words, not one of them." Is pronounced the way they should be. It's all fucked up. It's like if you took out half the letters, it might be okay. Knees are on license. I can't do it. It's impossible. I, should, it sounds like I'll be speaking Russian. You should just take out. You should take a picture. You should like, uh, like just skim through. Maybe I'll put it on the, uh, like on the Instagram yeah. or, or in the notes or whatever on the website or something, just so people can get an idea. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's. Well, this is like, because this is fantasy. This is The Hobbit. So this is like extra dense. And I imagine yeah. Tolkien's language he used, because he was like a linguist type of dude, was probably difficult to begin with. So, like, I don't so know what transferring this... that over into an already yeah. diffi uh, difficult language. Like, I don't know what this is at the beginning. I'm, maybe he had a Hobbit language in the book? Because what the... F uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he made up his own language. Because that's clearly not any known language there. No. That, has to be that like... looks like stuff you see in film movies. Yeah. But I'll let you know how the, the graveyard clay is when I'm done with it. I figured that'd be like a challenging read, and also maybe that'll make me uh, be able to get through uh, Jerusalem faster. Because yeah. when I get back to Jerusalem, I was like, okay, at least this has a plot, you know? <laughs> <laughs> at least this is a narration here. Even though that the words make no sense, at least the words themselves make sense. <laughs> them, in a, them in a sentence makes no sense, but the individual words I can at least read. Yes, yes. Uh, but folks, if you are interested, I would recommend going on YouTube and just looking up uh, Crane Achille, uh, C-R-E space N-A space C-I-L-L-E, and just watch some of the videos, if you can find the English versions or whatever your language is, you know, actually understand it, but it's just really interesting, like, look up the life of uh, Martin O'Kine and just the, just the Irish language itself, and then just get into the Celtic mythology, because... I, because I was watching some of those videos last night. No, it's like we both listen to myths and legends, and yeah, we're. I would say we're more than the average Joe. We know like Celtic mythology and stuff a little better than some people, but um, just like a lot of the things I was like, I've been learning. I didn't realize like all of fucking modern fiction has so many of these elements oh, that yeah. were from you know Celtic mythology because they didn't write a lot of stuff down then. 
And a lot of that mythology was actually changed from the original myths to when the English conquered and they brought in Christianity. They made a lot of things like religious and stuff that weren't. Yeah. So you'd get a lot of... Uh, the only things they didn't change were the people... Like, whatever stories didn't involve gods. Yeah. Like, because anything involving gods or deities or anything, they changed because, you know, Jesus. Gotta yeah. be Jesus. But if it was just, like, you know, merman, that's it's still merman. They don't care. Leprechauns and shit like yeah. that. But, yeah, check it out. I only bring this up because I know there's, like, an Irish renaissance going on with, like, fiction because, like, the Neon Druids, which you have not fucking read yet, right? Forgot about it. Um, I have not forgot about it. But when I when I bought that book... uh. I noticed there was a lot of other people that were submitting Irish. Th- and the other book we got too in that India, that India Hall. What is that right there? I can't see the name of it, but it, it's also like deals with that. But a lot of books people are writing now have to deal with Celtic mythology because it's really fucking cool. So yeah, check that out, folks. Konnichiwa. You are listening to the Drunken Pen Writing Podcast. Top of the morning to you. That's not... No, I was Japanese. Because the episode's about samurais. It's just the intro was... Don't ever say top of the morning to an Irish person. I'll punch <laughs> you in the mouth. They don't like it. Like your chums. Oh. They're magically delicious. No. I'm your host, Caleb James. Well, I didn't give you an Irish name. I guess I should have. <laughs> or a Japanese name. One of the two. One of the two. Well, you're, you're going to, I think, Africa or somewhere. Oh, I, I know what it is. Spencer... This guy's joining me, by the way. If you didn't know by now, Spencer, I always think, what is this the first episode somebody's listening to? It's a good probability if they just go to the very newest episode. Yeah, and they don't get the name thing. Like, yeah. what? What are they fucking talking about? Yeah, if you're just joining us for the first time, I always give Spencer a stupid name based off of where I pick on the globe. So today, he is Spencer of the Angry Angolan Church. Simple. Yeah. From Angola? You're yeah. angry. Yeah. Didn't go to no must no fuss today. No, no Didn't must, go no. with you know too many sy- syllables or anything no like that. No must no fuss. Today we are discussing the top ten samurai books you should read before you die. I'm pretty sure this first one was written by an American guy, so I don't know how well this list is. Listening. I don't know how many samurai books there are. I've only read one. I really enjoyed it. Also some samurai manga, so I guess you count that too. But it was actually based off of Miyamoto, Miyamoto Musashi, which is. The book I wrote, uh, read was Musashi by Eji, forget his last name. And then the Vagabond series, those mangas, which got me into the novel, actually, and into Miyamoto Musashi to begin with, uh, which is also written by somebody, I can't remember his name. See, I was always uh, fascinated by, like, samurais and, like, food of Japan era stuff and like that. But it's just like, it seems like that history is so dense. Yeah. And like, it's just like, I have no idea where to begin. And Miyamoto Musashi. Mm. Kind of what got me just on this topic, because we covered Japanese fiction before. And I thought about covering samurai fiction before. But over the weekend, I was reading, or I wasn't reading, I was watching some uh, Akita Kitasawa Japanese samurai movies. Ooh. I watch uh, Yojimbo, which i never seen before, which is just great, because it's just a guy who goes into a fucking village. He's a ronin. And... It's just two fucking gambling gangs that just keep fighting back and forth and trying to kill each other, and he's just playing them back and forth and fucking everybody up. It's wonderful. Yeah. Um, and then one of my favorite movies of all time is also an Akita Kurosawa movie, which is Seven Samurai, which is one of yeah. the best movies ever. And 
I have I haven't seen this another... one. I see, that's one of those ones like I haven't actually like sat down and like watched mm-hmm. the whole thing, but I know about it and like I know like the influences it has yeah. on other things. That that and kind of uh, what's the other like the lone wolf and cub? Yeah, I know that that might. Would, would you think would that fall under the the samurai or that's kind of like a, a like a? I'm not sure. Like its own, maybe like an adventure kind of series. Yeah, I think it'd be more strictly. adventure. But Kurosawa, like his a lot of his movies, like his samurai movies, they're his take on spaghetti westerns, pretty yeah. much. Which is, I'm a big spaghetti western guy. Like Sergio Leone, I always loved the Clint Eastwood movies. I grew oh, yeah. up on those, so you know some samurai versions of those are fucking great. Uh, Seventh Samurai I watched a year or two ago, and I really liked it. And when I read that Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Quentin Tarantino names, uh, you know, Cliff the one of the protagonists in the book he names all his favorite uh kitasawa movies and i was like oh yeah i completely forgot how awesome that guy is i'm gonna go watch this because that's what inspired like kill bill and stuff yeah he's uh just a brilliant filmmaker uh but his movies are really funny too sometimes like that that yojimbo was really funny so i'm probably gonna just keep doing that every weekend just watch samurai movies till i get burned out not that anybody cares so we'll probably just get to the episode top 10 samurai books you should read before you die Number 10, The 47 Ronin Story by John Allen. I read The 47 Ronin comic, I believe. Was It It was a graphic novel. I think, yeah. I don't know if it was 47 Ronin. It was something along those lines, wasn't yeah. it? The movie. The Keanu Reeves movie wasn't good. That's what you're talking about? Yeah. But the graphic novel was good. I never read the book. Cool samurai guy. Yeah. On the cover here. Um, basic red cover. The story of the 47 Ronin, this is a very famous samurai story. I don't remember if it was covered on that. Because uh, Myth and Legends, they do cover, like, real stuff, too, right? Like, it's Myth and Legends, but he would cover some, Yeah, like, because myths are... Yeah, the legends. Oh, yeah, your legends are, you know, kind of based on actual people, kind of. It's been a minute since I listened to that. I completely forgot about the legends part, but yeah. So I think he did, he did uh, do the Ronin story before, but... The story of the 47 Ronin is one of the most important true stories of Japan, an example of the unwavering honor that characterized the samurai. The samurai book is an excellent choice if you want to immerse yourself in one of the most representative events of samurai culture. Narrated from a historical rather than a fictional point of view, 47 Ronin by John Allen recounts the events from Asano's death to the end of the epic revenge. I think that'd be cool. I don't... See, like you said, though... While I do probably know more about samurais than you, I'm not, like, super well-versed in yeah. samurais, so I would also not necessarily know where to start. And Beyond then, Miyamoto Masashi, I'm not real too familiar with samurais. I know, like, the story of the 47 Ronin and a couple things like that, but I'm not, like, just I, probably what you know from yeah. that podcast. And it's and mine's more, like, pulp culture versions yeah. of, like, Not you know, the historical yes. ones that actually existed. Number nine, The Blade of the Courtesans by Kadichio Ryu. I don't think I've heard about that one. No. Threw me off with the double eyes in his name. The Blade of the Courtesans is a romantic novel with thrilling action scenes, but it could have been better translated. Hmm. This is a pleasant samurai book if you're looking to have a good time reading something that moves away from the stories of samurai to focus on romance and the importance of freedom. And it's got a geisha on the cover and then also a samurai. I, uh, not interested. Mm. I'm not a huge fan of, uh... The Japanese romance... No- I'm not a fan of Japanese... Or any romance. romance novels, really. But, uh, like, the Japanese romance novels, they're more palatable to me because they... From what I've read, because I've read a few, they're more about, like, the beauty of things and the actual relationship. And they always end up with fucking people dying. It's always very Romeo and Juliet, like some yeah. tragic death. 
So that's okay, but I'm not like a huge fan of just the romance stuff. Why you got to muddy up my samurai story yeah. with some romance? And uh, that's probably just make me mad. Uh, but well, that's the kind of like the the westerns. Like you just want to see badass guys shooting motherfuckers up, you know? Yeah. And maybe like go to the whorehouse, but you don't want to see him fall in love with the whore, <laughs> right? Well, the the other reason I don't like the Japanese romance so much is because not modern ones. But all these ones that are set back samurai times or any other times is because women were like subservient. Yeah. So it doesn't really come across as romantic to me. It just comes across as this guy wants the woman and, and she doesn't have a say in the matter. Yeah. And then it's like, oh, now she's so in love with him that she commits suicide or something. That's how it always ends up. And I'm just like, I don't see that happening. I think that's yeah. just the the writer wanting something like that to happen. Yeah, the whole geisha, is that how you pronounce The geisha, geisha yeah. Thing, I always thought was kind of weird. Yeah, they're pretty much just like prostitutes, but fancy. Yeah. They're not like hookers. They're, you know, they'll dance and do things for you. And I don't know if you actually have sex with them or not. I'm sure you could back, you know, whenever. Uh, a lot of guys had the the female, maybe they the, the help or something, that they would go leave their wife in the house and they go to the side house and have their little tryst of the night. And it was okay. I don't know how it is in Japan now. But pretty much cheating was acceptable if you're a man oh, yeah. for a long time in Japan culture, Japanese culture. I think yeah, that's, that was anywhere for a very long time, too. Yeah, that was most of the world, probably. Women have uh, had a raw deal yeah, for yeah. a long time, and uh, they still kind of do. Still kind of pissed off about how people are treating Simone Biles. Not that I give a fuck about gymnastics, and by the time this airs, nobody will probably care anymore. But I just, you just know if it was either just like some pretty like little white girl or like it was like Michael Phelps or something that was just like, oh, hey, I ain't feeling right. I'm not going to compete. Nobody really give a fuck. Yeah. It was just like they just make a big deal for whatever reason. Just, I don't like it. I don't like it. Number eight, The Samurai's Garden by Gail Sukiyama. I got that pretty good. Sukiyama. It, sound, it sounds legitimate. Yeah. That's a cool cover too. It's like a peacocky tree or something. The Samurai's Garden is a unique book which speaks of beauty from a purely Japanese point of view and invites reflection on life's issues. Amid poverty, calm, and illness, the question arises, what is beauty? See, that's what I'm talking about, like kind of with the romance stuff. That's usually just Japanese fiction in general usually has a lot of those elements. Uh, what I really liked about that Musashi book was, uh, I believe that was written in like 1953 or so. so Modern. After World War II. Yeah. But what I liked about that book is... Because Miyamoto Musashi wasn't just a, the world's you know baddest-ass samurai that ever existed. He was also an artist, a philosopher, a writer. So there was a lot of times where he would reflect on like the beauty of things and poetry and stuff. In between him just fucking clubbing yeah. people in the head murdering them. So I'm like, that's, that's a good combo. So you have this awesome action story, but then you bring it around with uh, more beauty than you would normally have in that kind of story. Uh, this one sounds interesting to me because this uh, kind of reminds me of uh, Kokoro by Natsume Suzeki, which is one of my favorite books. And that's just about a guy going in the mountain and it's just describing the beauty of life. Uh, you don't always have to have um, a conflict. For, for me, I don't need like the con. Yeah, like you said, conflict or drama too much sometimes. Like, you know, I like those books, but every once in a while I just want a break and I just like something that makes me feel good you know it's like somebody smoking a fat J probably just wants to well, feel good well it also depends like how big like those kind of stories are you know if they're on the small side they might be a little bit easier but if you have like four or five hundred pages about walking through the that's, mountains yeah that's gonna be too you know much. talking about how beautiful things are you're probably you're gonna, gonna go into Alan Moore territory then like, with like ridiculous I get it 
those books and Japanese authors seem to do those kind of works really well uh, because there's a lot of Buddhist themes and they reflect on life more. It's not just the beauty of a leaf. Yeah. Like they're reflecting on life and if it's well written, you would understand. It's not so much like a ham-fisted American might try and be like, well, the sun, the rays went through the leaf and you could see the underside and the veins, it's, like the veins of life going through. Like, no, it gives a fuck. Like the, uh, the creepy kid from, um, uh, what's that? The, um... The, the Kevin Spacey movie with the... Uh, American Beauty. Yeah. With, with the, the bag. Kid, yeah, the kid with the videotape in the bag. It's like nobody cares a fuck about that bag. It's a bag in the wind. Yeah. Come on, guy. But it's so beautiful. Look how it goes. Like, yeah, exactly. That would be the American version of that dumb shit. Number seven, Taeko by... This is who did uh, Musashi, by the way. Taeko by Eji Yoshikawa. I knew his name was Eji. The Yoshikawa, like... The last names always fuck me up. And also in Japan, they, like, do the last name first. So I don't... Oh, yeah, I still so, don't yeah, get that. Surname first. Yeah, like, so Natsume Suzuki would be Suzuki Natsume. Or you got, like, somebody like Yuki Omishima, which... That's that's a pen name. It's not even his real name. Yeah. So is it back? I don't know. I would always feel like I would offend somebody by fucking up their name. But in, like, modern Japan, like, I, I don't think you would call him Maruki here... Mirakami... <laughs> fuck, it's hard. Mirakami Haruki? yeah. Uh, but that's, that'd be the proper way to do it, I guess. Like if you met him, like if you don't know somebody, that's how you're supposed to address him would be by the last name first. I never really got that too much. I would need somebody that's smarter than me to explain that. Taiko is one of the most epic samurai books written about feudal Japan and more specifically the Sengoku period. It follows the life of Toyotami Hideyoshi, the man who went from being a poor warrior to a street vendor to the leader of an entire clan, a cunning samurai who achieved what Oda Nobunaga had long sought to unite Japan in a time of violent chaos and endless war. Now, since I read Musashi and I know how well that guy writes and how awesome his stories are, I wouldn't have to pick that up now. Like, because I know it's going to be a good story. Yeah. Also, compared to the last time we did the Japanese authors episode, I feel like my pronunciation's a little better. Because well, that one, I was really butchering them in that episode, I think. Well, at back then, did you even start? No, I was, your... just, I was only doing Spanish. That's then. what I thought. Number six, lust, commerce, and corruption by an Idu Samurai. Fuck, these fucking ads, dude. Like, how am I supposed to read? <laughs> like, okay, there's that one. And I close it out. But look at this thing that came up on the top. I can't get rid of that. Yeah. So I'm just, I literally have like three sentences I can read at a time. Very annoying. You know what? You know what doesn't have ads like that? Drunken pen writing. Drunkenpenwriting.com does not have ads like that. You are no. correct, sir. Uh, the most we have is if you want to sign up to our newsletter that I haven't set out in eight months, and <laughs> um, that's an easy X out. You don't have to do that. And uh, yeah, we don't have any ads. Also, because I completely forgot this website I'm reading this article on, which I'll put in the show notes if I remember, is which doesn't sound real. Katana's for sale. That's, dot com. The, that's the name of the website? Yeah. That uh. It's a very well put together article. I, get, I don't know. It's a good list, seems like. Anyway, so number six, Lost Commerce and Corruption by an Edo Samurai. This samurai book is not a romanticization of ancient Japan, but rather the opposite. It is a critique of society by a samurai of the Edo period, and its title suggests corruption, degeneration, deceit, this book is the view of someone who believed that Japanese society was founded on rotten pillars and that, therefore, only chaos could emerge from it. Sounds like an anarchy samurai book. I could yeah. be down with that as well. Ooh, this one. I, I feel like I, I, I lean more towards the ronin mm. than the samurai. Like, you know what I mean? I'm not a big fan of samurai because they're just pretty much bodyguards. Like, paid bodyguards, but the ronin. 
Yeah, There's somebody a, that's in for themselves. Masterless. That's what I like. Not always. A lot of, like, Japan, after uh, the feudalism kind of fell off, the fucking samurai were just all Roman, Ronin. They're yeah. just wandering and getting drunk and beating people up. That's the story I want to read. Number five, Hagakude by Yamamoto Sotodamo. That's a that's a weird word, Haga, Hagakude. The Book of the Samurai. Hagakude can be taken in many forms as a love letter for ancient Japan, as an idealization of what a samurai should be, or as a manual for living. Whichever way you take it, you will you will be in front of a samurai book whose philosophy and reflections will be able to alter the way you see the world forever. Are you seeing a common theme with samurai stories, though? A lot of philosophy. Yeah. A lot of beauty of life and things like that. So... Well, you just can't have mindless killing. Well, no. I mean, you can, but... It just seems like uh, samurai were a lot deeper than what we portray them in the West as. It was just, you know, badass sword fighters. There was a lot more to it. Art was a lot more uh, prevalent samurai culture than... It's, I feel like it's that kind of like um, like a hitman with a conscious kind of thing. Yeah. Or, um, or like a cultured hitman kind of, like, you know, like... Right. Number four, Cloud of Sparrows by Takashi Matsuoka. Ooh, that's a cool cover. It's got just a samurai sword. I like Ooh, that. Oh, yeah. Cloud of Sparrows is a rare samurai novel. It's a gripping story that mixes an intriguing plot of conspiracy, spies, and samurais with an accurate reflection on the clash of religions caused by Western Christianity and how someone from a foreign culture is perceived. Also, it knows how to make you laugh. It knows how to make you cry. And it knows how to keep you hooked page after page. It's just great. Whoever wrote this article really, really likes that book. I don't want religion mixed in with my samurai stuff too much. Though, like Western religion. Because I'm, I'm not, not learning anything from that. But I can see the culture clash would be kind of cool. Yeah, I would say that it would be interesting to read a story of, like, at the beginning, like, when they first, when Japan But during the Samurais, uh, there wasn't Christianity in Japan during the Samurais, right? Because that was, like, fucking ancient. That was, like, medieval times, wasn't it? Like, around the world, so the English weren't going. I mean, maybe they did. I, I They would have got killed immediately. Yeah. I don't think they would have had enough... Uh, you know, time alive to be prophetizing, prophetizing or anything. I don't know. Here we go. This is my bread and butter. Again, yeah. the only samurai book I read that I, at least I remember reading. Number three, Musashi by Eiji Yoshikawa. Now, that's not the cover I have on my book, but I like that cover better. That is pretty that's cool. That's like a pulp cover. Considered one of the best historical fictions, Musashi is a very entertaining, easy-to-read novel that tells the story of one of the most famous samurai of ancient Japan. Miyamoto Musashi, it's a great way to get into the life of one of the most important figures in Japan. And it's such a badass story. Like, he just, oh, he just fucks everybody up, and I love it. Also, I gotta finish that Vagabond series, because I didn't have the whole collection when I started reading it. So I only read, like, the first three or four. But those were great because the art is magnificent. And, it, like, through the beginning, he doesn't even have a sword. He has a wooden sword, like a yeah. practice sword. And he just kills people with the practice sword. Fucking badass, man. Number two, Shogun by James Clavell. That's a cool cover. I like these samurai covers. I'm going to be a samurai. <laughs> I'm going like, to be like Lupe Fiasco and take up the sword and just start fucking practicing samurai stuff in my backyard. I can see play. you with the uh, ponytail thing going on. Mm, not the shaved I didn't like that the shaved bald like all the way up here yeah cause that's in like a lot of those uh, Kurosawa movies is the fucking cause that's what Samurai looked like they their skin bald here on purpose like they shaved it and then they had the ponytail but then the Ronin always had the full head of hair with the ponytail and it looks so much cooler in the scruffy beard so what is this uh, Shogun by James Cavill 
One of the most loved and recommended novels by every lover of samurai culture, Shogun is a bestseller that inspired an entire generation of amateur authors. Its descriptions, plots, and characters are magnificent, and its ending will leave you longing for more. You ready for number one? Can you guess? No. I was wrong. I read no. two samurai books. Okay. This was the other. I don't consider this a samurai book, though. That was a philosophy book. Number one, um, and I also have, which you might actually be more interested in, I have the uh, comic book version of this. Graphic novel version? I guess I don't It's not like a comic. It's like a graphic novel. Number one, The Book of the Five Rings by Miyamoto Musashi. Musashi wrote this one. I'd say that sounds familiar. Yeah, this is one Rogan always talked about. Okay. Like he was obsessed with it. The Book of the Five Rings should be a must-read for any modern samurai. Why? Because it's a book written by Miyamoto Musashi himself. Perhaps the most important samurai. Here, he shares his philosophy on life, his experiences, and teaches the profound art of swordplay with a katana. In short, if there's only one samurai book you should read before you die, it would be this one. And if at some point you get tired of reading and want to bring ancient Japan to your life, we've got just what you need. Take a look at our collection of samurai swords. So that, that okay, they brought it around, the katana swords. They put a whole article about samurai books just to sell their fucking shitty katanas, which is why there's giant ads at the top, because yeah. that's a, it's selling katanas. So, so I, you know what? I'm not going to put that in the show notes. You know what, folks? You're not. Fuck that. Just yeah, you don't want that wanna. site. Um, but you said you don't think that one is much of a samurai story? No, it's a philosophy book. It's just, I mean, it's written by Miyamoto Masashi. It's written by a samurai. But it's not, I mean, it has, it's, a, it's like reading The Art of War. That's not a book about, you know, war and adventure. It's, you know, fucking philosophy on war. Yeah. So that's philosophy on. We actually have, it's one of our most popular articles on the website. It's like 50 uh, life lessons from Miyamoto Masashi or something. Yeah. Don't quote me on that. I don't think that's the right title, but it's just type in Miyo, Miyamoto Masashi on our search engine and you'll take you right to that article. Uh, it's very short. It's just like the 50 whatever quotes or something like that from them. But a lot of that was from the five rings and it's just about uh, like his philosophy on life and swordplay and you know, like I said, um, but it's not a story. That's what I'm getting at. It's not fiction. It's not a story. So they just threw that in there because they want to look cool. Want to show out? Show out in front of their mom's basement, friends. So, any of those catch your uh, fancy? Would you want to read some? Uh, yeah, some of those seem interesting. I couldn't give you the title right now just because of the the difficult with names and stuff. But they do. Uh, some of those did seem pretty interesting. I recommend Musashi. Yeah, it's a perfect starting point, and it's an easy read. It's a lot of fun. But first, you're gonna read a bunch of very, very Irish fiction. Yeah. Yeah, in Irish. Mm. Mm. Yeah. So devote 20 years of your life because you're learning. Awesome. <laughs> I haven't mastered English yet. <laughs> oh, yeah, I finished The Dead Zone yesterday. No, you didn't. No, I didn't even start it. I read one page. No, I didn't. I read a paragraph. Read Almost. A paragraph. You know what, Spencer? I'll read more Stephen King when you learn Irish. Oh, okay. <laughs> what do you do if I just next week I come over and I'm just... Yeah, it could be in a Guy Ritchie movie. You just walk in. Like, what? Okay, Spencer, he's speaking. I, I'm assuming not. She could just be fucking throaty gibberish. Yeah, I know very basic phrases. Like, I am a man. That's like that's the only kind of things I, I can say. It's fair, mate. Like, that's all I... Very, like, three-letter or three-word sentences, things like that. I could read a little bit more. Again, the pronunciation is what kills me. It's like the grammar is not too hard. It's weird because, like, 
the nouns, I think, always, like, in the middle. So, you know, I am a man. It's as fair may fair as man. So, fair is in the middle. Me, I'm at the end. Like, it's, it's weird. But whatever. But that's not so hard. You get used to that. It's the pronunciation. Now, Japan, their grammar's just backwards. Yeah. Um, which is fucking irritating. It's like, I don't want... For me, the Japanese, the hardest thing is not the grammar, as well as the grammar's not too bad. It's the, uh, it's like that list of fucking 50,000 characters that I can't read. It's just scratch, it's just scratches, man. They're just, like, sometimes I'm like, oh, I actually know this one. And they're like, oh, wait, there was a slight half an inch line at the bottom that wasn't yeah. there on the, you or know. there was like a little, like, check at the top. Yeah, at the completely top. changes the sound. So that that could be your day. But yeah. Um, anyway, folks, if you want to check out our work, as uh, Spencer pointed out earlier, you can go to drunkenpenwriting.com. No ads. No ads. Unless you want ads. We can get some ads. Well, yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll get, if that's what you want. We'll get you the ads if you want. Just let us know. You can uh, reach out to us on Twitter at drunkenpenwriting. Uh, Instagram and Facebook at drunkenpenwriting. Also, YouTube, same name. I was going to tell you something really irritating, I realized. And what was it? It was something to do with Instagram. I think it was either Instagram or Twitter. I think it was Instagram. Fuck, I can't remember. It was just very jarring. It's like somebody's story, I think, was an ad. Or, uh, no, I was watching a reel. And in the middle of the reel, it broke into an ad like YouTube does. Oh. Yeah. Ah, that's what it was. What the fuck is that? Did you, you encounter that? No, it I only did it once, but I'm like, wait, if I'm starting to watch reels and ads bust in, I'm not watching them anymore. Well, I've had like, I've watched the reel and I've finished it and I've moved on and there's been an ad. I've had that and, and then you just skip it. Yeah. No, it was in like, in like how YouTube does. You watch a video and all of a sudden, oh, fucking ad came up. How's that work? They're only like 40 seconds long. Like, them are co- they could be up, I think, a max of three minutes. But I don't think the ad's considered a part of the video. It's not because when you upload a video, the ad isn't a part of the runtime. You know, so if you have an hour long video and you have one 10 minute ad, it's not an hour and 10 minutes, even though the person watching it would be an hour and 10 minutes. Your video is still an hour and the ad's separate at 10 minutes. Mm. Hot dog shit. That that is frustrating. Whereas, you know, a commercial on television, it's roped into the time. So a 20 minute episode is 30 minutes with the ads. Yeah. I fucking hate it though. I was like, don't do I, I think they're testing it out. I don't like it. And I don't, I'm not going to ever like it. And there's too many goddamn ads in this world. And you know what? I'm going to go on record right now, Spencer. I'm going to say something very controversial. You ready? Anti ad. Well, it's not anti ad. I'm always anti ad. No, Spencer. I'm going to say it and I'm going to address it now because I want my phone to hear it. I want my computer to record it. I want my smart TV to record it. I want my dehumidifier to record it because I'm a smart humidifier. I want everything that's electronic. You have a fridge? I want everything to fucking know. I hate Liberty Mutual. I'm never going to get Liberty Mutual. Fuck the Liberty Biberty fucking Emu Limu bullshit. I see the ad every YouTube video. Liberty Mutual. And I get more frustrated. The guy with the mustache and the fucking glasses and the 70s hair. Fuck that guy. I don't care. I don't like the 70s cop duo they're trying to do with him and the Emu. I don't like any of it. Fuck. Eat a dick, Liberty Mutual. I'd rather go with the General by Shaq. At least he has the fucking courtesy to be on Comedy Central, not on goddamn YouTube all the time. Irritates the fuck out of me. 
Well, you know, just because since you said their names like ten times, I can't see it more than I already do. <laughs> honestly, every YouTube video, I and I'll get multiple ones. I've even had where I'm watching the shitty fucking Liberty Mutual video. I'm like, oh great, it's one of those two fucking fifteen second ads that yeah. run concurrently, and I'm like, great, now I can't skip it. So I watch the Liberty Mutual ad, and then it'll play the same exact <laughs> ad again. <laughs> I'm like, you give me a different one. It has to be the same one. I full on just stopped watching, like just closed out the video. Like I'm not watching the video. I've done that a bunch of times now. I'll start watching the video. I'm like, sometimes I'm excited about, it. oh, ooh, here we go. You know, fucking somebody gets dunked on or something. I want to see this, and then like, oh, fucking ad. Sometimes I'll just close it out. Maybe if I start it back up, the ad will be gone. No, nope, the ad's still there, and it's fucking Liberty Mutual. And I go, you know what? I don't want to watch this that bad. The only thing that's worse is when there's a 15, 20 second video and a 30 second ad before it. Yeah. You motherfuckers. I'm not, it shouldn't take me a minute to watch this 15 second video. Fuck you, Liberty Mutual. Right in the butt. Manscaped, you're also fucking, you're, you're lucky you stopped because you were getting there. And then, um, what's the ones, the Sasquatch balls or what? what is it? Uh, the fucking Dr. Scotch or oh, the yeah. soap guy. Yeah. Whatever the fucking soap was. I the manly bought, soap. I actually bought one of those. It had tree bark in it. It's it so scratchy. It, <laughs> yeah. I'm not even joking. I'll show you upstairs. This is my bathroom. I haven't used it in a long time because it got a tree bark in it. It's supposed to exfoliate. It's like, this is cutting my skin to the bone. I don't want this. It cleans the inside. But I, it's very rare they give me a fucking ad I want. And Liberty Mutual will never be it. I think every, I think if I was president of the United States of America and Mexico, because I'll try to take Mexico over. Not Canada? No, they're, they're like, you know, they don't have problems. Yeah. Everybody loves Canada, right? Well, I figured as president of the United States, you'd have to make every, like, they're, they need our problems. Make everything worse. As the president of the United States of North America, what I'm going to do, I'm going to make it illegal for insurance companies and pharmaceutical companies to have ads. Yeah. Can't do it. Can't promote your fucking thing. Pharmaceutical companies, like pills and all those stuff that causes death and diarrhea and gonorrhea and everything mm-hmm. else, those are actually illegal in most countries. Like, you're not allowed to have ads on TV for that stuff. But, like, like we did with the way of uh, cigarettes. Can't have cigarette ads. Though, you can still have beer and liquor ads. You just can't show anybody drinking them. I always thought it was weird. Hmm. Really? In any like those Budweiser commercials playing during the Sunday games? They never no... drink it. Because hmm. don't you remember the Heineken ads with Neil Patrick Harris? He'd always be like, and then yeah. you go off camera and you're like, you know, the drink and you hear the noise. But yeah, uh, fuck Liberty Mutual. I hate Liberty Mutual. I'm never going to use Liberty Mutual. And if Liberty Mutual wants to be a sponsor, you could reach us at drunkenpenwriter.gmail.com. <laughs> we will take you on if you give us lots of money. money. Uh, but I'm not going to change my opinion on your product. I also want to ride the emu. I'm... Spencer, this is going to sound ridiculous, but please bear with me. And I'm 100% serious. I'm not making this up just for fun story time. I 100% thought the other day, like I actually got on my phone and was trying to look it up, how to reach somebody at Liberty Mutual and tell them <laughs> I fucking hate their ass. I was going to write an old man letter. Like an angry old man letter to Liberty Mutual. Like, I don't like your ads. I don't like the fucking guy. I didn't mind them as much when they had just the people on the bridge. And yeah. they was like, oh, Liberty Mutual. It got annoying when it had the fucking actor guy who couldn't get his lines right. Yeah. And I was like, ooh, I hate this one. Or what about the guy who sells wet titty bears? Yeah, that was a little weird. But I didn't mind those. Like, I can ignore those. But for some reason, the fucking emu and that guy with the mustache, I hate him so much. I hate him almost as much as I fucking hate that stupid... Is it Budweiser or what is it? The the Captain Obvious guy. I hate Hotels. That, hotels. I hate that guy. You know why I hate that guy? There's only one reason why I hate that guy. 
His voice does not match his look. Yeah. Every time I think he's going to have a deep voice and he doesn't, and I don't like it. I want him to shave his beard. He doesn't deserve the beard because his voice doesn't sound like a bearded guy. Sorry, I didn't mean to go on a rant about fucking commercials, but... Ooh. That, just, that grinds my gears. Like, it's very rare I think about writing an angry letter to somebody. Let alone a whole fucking insurance conglomerate. <laughs> and you know what? What? You know what, Spencer? <laughs> I've had uh, Progressive for like fucking 15 years. Since I ever got my first car. Yeah. Because that was the only thing I could afford at the time. And I just stuck with it. Yeah. I didn't really have any problems. I only used it once. And that was when we fucking wrecked on the way to <laughs> fucking Detroit. And that wasn't even my car. It was a rental car. But their ads... Like, I used to not mind them so much when it was just flow. Yeah, but now but it's like the, the squad. I hate the squad. I hate the squad. The squad's fucking stupid. Even Jamie? I don't, want, I don't like it. I don't, I don't want to watch it. I don't like the progressive. Again, they're not on my YouTube, so I don't see it as much. But whenever I have Comedy Central or something in the background that is, you know, 90 minutes of ads and 30 seconds of The Office, yeah. like, that's that's what you get is fucking a lot of progressive in the general. Why do people need insurance so much? Why is that the only ads? Are there other ads? I know every once in a while I see the, the hotels guy and... Sometimes I think there's a Budweiser ad on TV, but I don't see much. I just see fucking insurance companies and, like, dick pills. So that's my gripe. Um, America, if you feel the way I do, please reach out to me and let me know I'm not alone in hating Liberty Mutual. Maybe you can sell, like, a uh, petition. Fuck Liberty Mutual. I thought about going online and yelling at the, you know, like, on Twitter or something at the ether, but I fear that Big Liberty Mutual will come after me. <laughs> yeah. Like, I feel they'll get me kicked off of Twitter. Not that I really care if I get kicked off of Twitter, honestly. I don't use it really anymore. But I fear that I'll get booted or they'll come to my house, and you know, with their leg breakers and that fucking emu. And they'll be like, hey, and hey, then, and then, hey dickhead, quit bad-mouthing Liberty Mutual. In fact, you're going to buy Liberty <laughs> Mutual. You're going to buy the premium, too. We're going to put you in the diamond package, <laughs> and it's going to cost you $500 a fucking month. And I'll be like, my fucking shitty jeep doesn't even cost that probably <laughs> and I'm like nope that's what you're getting like, oh man be like on uh, office space what am i gonna do with 40 issues to vibe <laughs> <laughs> everybody got roped into what am i doing this fucking subscription to 40 issues of vibe why was it 40 why was it so many <laughs> that's like that's like a, that's like three or four years it's ridiculous <laughs> Anyway, thank you folks for listening, and we, we hope you had That's a good time. Dickhead of magazines. It's <laughs> a lot of magazines. Oh, fucking vibe. If I be in a magazine anymore, we'll talk off air. See you later, everyone. Quit fucking clicking and clacking water. I hate it. <laughs>